come hang with Ab and I at OzCon's Expo Hall. Normally, here's where I'd list off topics of the conversation, but I'm going to shoot it to you straight. We didn't really have any topics. I mean, we do talk about blockchain, we talk about serverless, stuff like that, but not with really much insight. It's just us hanging out, being nerds, making each other laugh. And if you're into that, then you'll be into this. All right. We're backstage here at OzCon. Day two. Day two in the bag. Day one was pretty crazy. (laughs) Hallway track style, of course. Uh, Our booth was so busy. So we we have a booth here at OzCon because of O'Reilly. And uh, we love coming here. And we record from the, you know, the expo hall floor. It's get to see a lot of people, meet a lot of people, uh, see listeners out there. Thank you for coming by and saying hello. But it's just so awesome to kind of like get that hallway track feeling, meet some oh, people, yeah. shake some hands. It helps that we're sandwiched in between uh, Python Software Foundation, which are nice folks, the popcorn machine, which you know that brings a crowd. Oh, yes. The smell. Oh, yeah. As she's preparing popcorn as we speak. And then the booth where you pick up your, your free t-shirt, your OSCON t-shirt. I mean, everyone's got to go to that booth. Yeah. It's actually it. probably the best placement in the whole. And when you go to a conference, it's mostly about the swag. Yeah, of course. you got to outfit yourself. You, know? you, you have uh, two goals at a conference. Meet people and get new clothing. Which is why it's good that companies and brands have moved beyond t-shirts and are now providing us socks. socks. Yes. Sometimes you'll find a hat. Uh, mugs. Occasional awesome travel drink. Mug or something. Tell like them about our awesome free mug hack that you put together over there. Yeah, for so my idea was that, fans. You know, you come to a conference, there's often some sort of mug or drink dispenser, you know, like some sort of cup thing yeah. given away. And I'm like, well, most cases you don't really like those things. Because maybe it's got a Verizon logo on there or something, right. which is fine. I, love, I like Verizon, but you know, do I want to like brand myself? AT and T. Then yeah. I have an AT and T logo on there. <laughs> there you go. You know, you may not want that. So I'm like, well, we'll give them some circle stickers that stick onto mugs or their uh, favorite drink dispenser or cup or whatever you got. You know, you put our sticker on there. Boom. Transformation. People like when I say boom. Do they? <laughs> I said that a couple of times yesterday, and people were really laughing. So People like it when you say like boom. it. Audience, if you like it when I say boom, email us. We want to know. <laughs> email Adam. <laughs> Adam at changelog.com. He'd love to hear from you if you like the boom. That's right. Well, we actually say that after shows, too. We say boom goes to dynamite. That's and, right. And, uh, That's our key, our key yeah, that it's, it's over with. It's how you know it's done. The it's guest good. always wonders what's happening at that moment. When I say boom goes to dynamite, they're kind of like, what is that? <laughs> like, this show's over, okay? It's, it's over now. It's over now. You're done. I also like to tell them that they're off the Budweiser hot seat, but nobody gets the reference because it's from the 1990s oh ESPN Sports Center. Yeah. Dan Patrick used to have an actual... Spud McKenzie. <laughs> Spud McKenzie. Right? That's a dog, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're, just, you're just doing pop culture references That's from the right. same time period. What That's else right. you got? That's it. That's it. Budweiser was huge. Budweiser was huge. I don't know why, why but they just They had were. all sorts of commercial, like, why ask why, try Bud Dry. You remember that They one? were doing amazing with their marketing. They really were. Well, you know, that's the way you do it. Like The what's had- up, guys? Oh, yeah. Remember that? No. What's up? Oh, yeah. Was that Bud? I, I like know. that was Budweiser. I don't know, honestly. That was annoying. That was pretty annoying. It, well, I think what repopularized it, if not the first time, was when the Marlon Wayans brothers did that uh, scary movie 
uh, parody, and oh, yeah. it was um, it was the ghost from Scream. So the the bad person in right. go, or in Scream, which was like this ghost face, which ca- became super popular for Halloween too. Oh, this for is, sure. This is definitely backstage, by the way. Like, backstage and back in the about, past. Because that that ghost face was pretty awesome, and then uh, I forget which Wayne's Brothers it was in in that uh, comedy slash you know parody movie. But they were like, "What's up?" And then oh, they, they did. Then they were like, you know, inhaling the cannabis and stuff like that. They had some buddies over there, and next thing, and it got really crazy. So it was like, that was post was up commercial. They were riffing on the commercials, though. Well, the point was was that it, was, it repopularized it. Oh, repopularized new generation. It. Yeah. So I was looking up a scary movie. That's two thousand, in the year two thousand. So that's almost twenty years old. Scream itself is, has to be older because, like you said, that was a parody of Scream, which is kind of weird because Scream itself was kind of a parody of itself. Which is why it was in a way. It a, was tongue in cheek. Yeah, it was self aware. It was one of the first movies that I remember that was really kind of embraced the tropes of horror and still was scary, but, but funny. made fun of itself. Right. And then scary. Being and very cliche about things. That's nineteen ninety six. Like running upstairs, for example, away from the bad person. It's like where people always do the worst thing, like you know, the the dainty person who's like, I'm gonna go check it. What's out in the garage? It's right. Like, You're tiny. There's a killer loose, and you're just going to go check what's in the garage because you heard a noise? That's right. Like, come on, good Samaritan. It's like, don't, don't do that. Don't, yeah, don't do that. Don't go check the garage. So, so anyways, yeah. What's up? You know, that was from anyway, the Anyway, so there. Budweiser was good at advertising. Yeah. Wow. What does that have to do with anything? That's Bud McKenzie. Oh, the Coach Budweiser Popper. hot seat. So back in the, maybe it was the 2000s, late 90s, SportsCenter was the number one show oh, yes. for sports fans. Oh, yes. Dan Patrick. Yes. And Craig Kilborn. There was this cast of... Hosts on Sports Center yep. that were funny and charismatic, and they had a Dan Patrick had a specific segment called the Budweiser Hot Seat, and it was an interview segment where whoever some athlete would come on the show, and they would lob hardballs at him or her, and at the end Dan Patrick would say, "You're off the Budweiser Hot Seat," <laughs> <laughs> and nobody remembers that, but I say it to. Way too many people. Yeah. I understand it, though. So I'm tracking with you. Okay, good. It's fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun. Well, it, it resonates because they've just been, you know, interviewed for an hour, and they're feeling like, okay, it's time to relax. I said something yesterday, and I can't recall what it was, but it was like Dick Tracy. I was talking about watch. That's right, Dick Tracy. Because I was, I was doing, you know, on your Apple Watch, if you have one, you can actually talk to it and, like, text message via voice, basically. So... I tap the little uh, microphone button. The next thing you know, I can capture my voice with this Dick Tracy device and send it through the airwaves all the way to my wife right. in some distant... Just like Dick Tracy. You know, it's like, to. what? So I referenced Dick Tracy and... Well, it's funny is when you were doing that, you were... You were tracking. Yeah, but, but you were explaining an Apple Watch and how it works, a, how you can talk to it. To a person. To a nice young one. woman who was wearing an Apple Watch at the time. Yeah. And I was true. like, dude, you don't have to explain it to her. She totally gets it. But she does not get is Dick Tracy. That's right. I figured it was worth explaining just in case. Just so that, like, if I wasn't, like, exposing a new feature to somebody. Like, somebody out there is wearing an Apple Watch right now and <laughs> ne- had no idea that they can text message. They can talk voice. to it. And right now, they're texting their wife, their girlfriend, whatever, their spouse, their mom, maybe even, you know, their kids. Who knows? You know, all these individuals in their family. <laughs> <laughs> just everybody. Text the whole family. That's right. Did you know I can talk to Did my wife? Did you watch? know about 
And then their mom this says, Dick yes, Tracy honey, device? just like Dick Tracy. And then they say, who's Dick Tracy? What? Who's Dick Tracy? So, yeah. And the answer is, who's Dick Tracy? He's a, uh, a character in a show. <laughs> He's a character in a show. That's all I know. No wonder nobody knows who he is. I mean, Dick Tracy's even from us like who reference him, 50s can't or even 60s do. or something like that. It's an old comic book, I believe. It's a comic book. Yeah, sure. First. And then eventually a movie starring Warren Beatty. He yep. was a private detective. And he ended up arresting and killing mafia-type figures. And he would talk to his watch. That was a... Uh, this is Dick Tracy? It was Dick Tracy. Wow. He's a monster. He was a pretty cool guy. <laughs> Let me see if I can pull up that reference. When did the movie Dick Tracy first ship? Or I guess, what do they say in, in the film world? Launch. Debut? Debut. Right. Yeah, when, debut. When was the premiere? Premiere, yes. Us dev- developers, we just say ship all the time. When did that ship? When's this going to ship? Well, yeah, it's, it's a cool word to use for like... Anything. Oh, you know what the cool word is actually in mountain biking? Dick Tracy 1990. Send it. Shit. So we say it send the, it. Yeah, send it. What's that mean? A, if, if like you're on a trail and you're and you're and you're shredding, yeah, and you come up to this jump and you hit that jump right and you launch off that thing and you totally clear it, that's called sending it. Do do people tell you to send it or send do they it. say? Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be they'll your yell buddies it. will be yeah your buddies will be cheering you on. You might be timid. To, you might not be sure about this. Yes, and it's that vote of confidence. It's send it. Now, do they use the past tense like you sent it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I've heard it said before. Are you gonna start to try to work ship it in there to those folks? No, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> no. The point was was the was the um, the the word choice of the exact same thing. Like we say ship it, right? Or shipped, or they say premiere debut. Premiere they say send debut. It. They say send it. Like I love all these little. Um, what are those called? Like uh, when it's a is it an ism for that area? Like what is an it? idiom. Idioms. Idioms. Yeah. I like that. That's that's a lot of. Uh, I like that about different cultures within a culture. You know, like the United States. Subcultures. For yeah, subcultures. Subcultures. <laughs> I just, like that about that because you can come up with wor- words that represent what you're saying. That's right. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So I think you should work on this ship it thing in the mountain biking culture community. You know, cross pollinate good ideas. Ship it's a good idea. So the next time your buddy's about to really hit a ramp or a berm or whatever they hit jump ship it ship it uh, what if he's like i don't know what that means he fall, he, like, he crashes he's like i don't know what, i didn't know what to do he can crash because of it yeah <laughs> i didn't know what to do i was gonna send it but then you told me to ship it and i just i froze up and i crashed my bike man we're getting some people in here today a lot of you know the action is actually opening up here in the expo That's hall right. we're, we're here comes our doing the backstage early and here comes an interview. Potentially. We'll see. For sure. So first break. One of the ironies of us at OzCon is we have to ask everybody how the conference is because we hang out in the hallway track. That's right. So it's like, what talks are you going to see? None of them. Good morning. Uh, keynotes, barely. So people come out. We ask them what they saw, what they're thinking about, what are the trends. Um... I haven't really captured any trends this year yet. I had one guy who was complaining too much blockchain, too much serverless. Mm. So those might be trends. Maybe he was just cranky. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, so that might be a theme. Blockchain and serverless is, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about blockchain? 
Mixed emotions. Yeah? What, yeah. What, 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 why is that? Um, I feel like there's, it was kind of the, the hype around it became one of those uh, moments where, you know, it was the solution for all problems to a certain degree. And I think we've seen what's played out so far is that it's a solu- it can be a good solution for some problems. And we're in a phase where we're trying to figure out what those, what those problems necessarily are. And so it's, uh, that's why it's mixed emotions. It's like, well, there was, there's promise. There's some things that are legit. There's a lot of smoke. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there, was a, there was a lot of currency going around the word. Yeah. Um, until the bottom fell out of the ICO craze. Uh, where do you think it's not applying particularly? You know, where, what are some key areas where it was like, oh, blockchain will solve these problems, and they tried it, and it just didn't? It seemed like, and maybe this is actually working well, and I just haven't seen it yet, but it seems like a lot of the, uh, the using it as a chain of custody for, like, physical goods hasn't really, maybe, maybe I know Walmart's doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I know IBM's got some projects, and Hyperledger's a thing, but I guess I just haven't seen any of that, like, big stories of successful applications of that in shipping, in logistics, mm. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I did see the, um, the recent um, news from Shell. They had an, a big investment oh, yeah? in Ethereum, I believe it was. I logged it recently. It wasn't very popular on the, the news feed, but yeah. it was interesting to me because I was like, here's this big oil company trying to find a way to use blockchain to essentially ensure that we as consumers, when we buy electricity, that it is, because they have a network of, of, like, of electricity, essentially, this right. energy. Oh, and yeah, the, that was uh, interesting. And basically, it was that as a customer, you would be insured that if you bought wind farm energy, that the energy your house is using is, in fact, that energy because of blockchain technology. How would they track it, though? Like, I guess is that, the, to me, is the black box. Is the tracking of energy flow already digitized? I assume From so. what I understood, there was some sort of energy network. And I don't know if that's, like, literal, you know, IP-based network or if it's just sort of, like, a network of you know, storage devices for large-scale energy. I mean, I honestly have no idea how the energy grid really works. Like, from what I understand, though, is that you can't contain energy. That's why there's such a big... That's why it's always a... um, Almost like a stock market, the way you trade it. Right. Trading energy is really big in Houston, which is where I'm from. And I know a lot of people who are involved in selling energy, basically. In the process of procuring it, enabling it, infrastructuring it, and then also selling it. Which is pretty interesting, because that's what the world uses. And like, to, to, so back to the point of blockchain, I thought that was a really interesting use of it to like ensure that as a consumer, I'm yeah. in fact using the energy I thought I was buying from the wind farm to the, you know, to the uh, sustainable energy sources, to just natural, cur- you know, coal burning processes to uh, derive energy. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you see, you know, companies like Microsoft continuing to invest in blockchain <laughs> things. And so there's usually where there's enough smoke, there's a fire. And I yeah. think there's eventually going to be a fire, but there's been a, you know, hype phases are phases. You know, I feel like we're at the, at the kind of exhausted of the 
topic of the word of the conversation yeah. phase, and then all know, the eventually we'll see real use cases happening. Yeah, you know, out there. Right. All the exciting hype has has been in place. The gauntlet has been thrown, and plus people a lot are of people just have the, to now build the things. You know, and that yeah. takes time. I mean, you know, so that's a good key there too. Is is that ideas? are just ideas until they're actually executed. You know what I mean? For sure. It seems very logical, but you know, you often think the idea is the mo most magical thing and it's actually a marriage of many parts. You know, you've got the idea, the ideation, the vision, you know, the aspiration to even do something, right. and then you got the actual execution process and then the follow through. Yeah. So there's a lot of key components to, you know, just simply shipping an idea so to speak. And that's why I think the the ICO as a as a novel instrument for funding bubbled because it was it was so easy to feign competency right you were selling ideas so all you needed was a white paper to get investment and there's your idea that was a pitch basically right and some of those are in more you know more or less stable or completed forms some of them were actually copy pasted other people's white papers around oh, really so it got real sloppy yeah Dang. Yeah. And then they get called out because, you know, we can we can learn these things. We have technology. <laughs> we do um, have the technology. But very few teams actually had the, the technical chops wow. to pull off what they're building. And, and those that do are still working on a lot of these things. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting, man. So what about serverless then? Or you got more on blockchain? A serverless? I don't know. It's. I can see where it's interesting for certain use cases. I still haven't been sold on the, like convert everything over, you know, because it just seems like. The, workflows, and the tracing and all that, the tooling, which I know is being rapidly developed at this phase. What I have seen so far has not congealed, into like a. A completed. Offering, you know, there's still a lot of question marks. How do you do this? How do you do that? What in particular? I think for me, it's visibility into like where your code, you know, is erroring, where there's problems, how you run local versus in, you know, on the on Lambda or wherever you're running the code. Um, differences there, if there are any. Does that tie you to a cloud then, because you're? Serverless, like, does that mean that you're all in on clouds? So you always have a no cloud provider or your own cloud. Depends on how you implement, but a lot of the, a lot of the frameworks and the you know, the libraries and stuff are trying to sit in between, mm -hmm. and make you cloud agnostic, or you could be on multi-cloud, and just run against this set of abstracted APIs. Uh, you could definitely write directly, you know, directly against Lambda, and then you're, I'm sure you have certain Lambda things that you're stuck with. How is serverless different than just say like uh, developing something around the idea of APIs? You know, it seems like serverless and that is very similar, except for the fact that serverless sort of lives nowhere. And yeah, so the the I guess the difference is if I'm developing against an API that I API, yeah. created, like a microservice architecture, I'm in charge of all of those services. Yeah. So I have to make sure they're provisioned and deployed and you know monitored and it's just a layer up from that you just care about the code and if it gets called at the right times then yeah you know the service provider basically t takes care of spinning up whatever containers need to get spun up real fast and 
keeping things cached and whatnot and all that stuff kind of. It's not that there's no servers, as people have said. It's that you don't care as much about them. You don't have to think about them as much. Yeah. Or hopefully at all, if the abstraction holds. Uh, the idea, though, right, is to... Um, it's not so much, so much to do less, but to have more focus. Right? So if you as a team no longer really have to concern yourself with the uptime of the infrastructure for which you're on, then that's one less point of... Uh, you know, like, where you're not focused on the product and the service itself rather than, like, the technology it's running on. Yeah. You know, it kind of, it gives you... I think you, doing less and focusing are related. Like, yes, you can focus because you are doing less. What I mean is it's not about laziness. It's about, it's about no. optimization, you know, of the efficiency of your team, for example. You know, like, if you... Well, some people argue that laziness is about efficiencies, too. <laughs> you know? That's true, like, I I'm guess. too lazy to do this myself over and over again, so I'm going to automate it. Yeah. And so that's about my efficiency because now I can reapply that work to something more creative or higher value. Oops. And so laziness is a virtue in certain senses. And then the other sense where you're actually so lazy that you don't get anything done or can't get yourself to work or whatever, that's a different kind of laziness. But Do you want to go into the many layers of laziness? There are seven layers of laziness. <laughs> I currently am living between layers four and five. No, I don't know. What about uh, what else here at Oscom? So we got blockchain, serverless. What else is? I mean, that's that's stuff that you've heard that was too much of. What well, have you heard? Just one guy that said that. It wasn't okay. like this is. That's why I said I get it. It's, uni it's a unanimous group of one. <laughs> yeah, just getting my information <laughs> from people who walk by and say, "Hey, what's interesting?" or what, "What are people talking about?" Right. And he was just like, "Too much of this, too much of that." I was like, "Okay." Um. I haven't heard too much about machine learning today or yesterday. Yeah. I don't even know if I heard the term, except for maybe we were talking about practical AI. Right. But from other people. I had a couple of people talking to us about uh, bio, biotech. I don't know. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, the genome stuff. Uh, editing of DNA. Editing basically. of, yeah. DNA becoming a technology of sorts. Yeah. The sequencing. Genome sequencing. We have a guy coming back later today to talk to us about. Yes editing the genomes and whatnot. And they're legit doing this. It's, it's, yes. uh, it's intense. I actually learned about it on a, uh, about, uh, through a movie. Dwayne Johnson's movies were actually really educational. Uh, Dwayne the Rock? Johnson. Yeah, The Rock. If you haven't heard of The Rock before, He has a you know, series of educational movies. He does have a series. Jumanji. Right. I Jumanji was very, 2. I was, well, Jumanji Jumanji two. 3. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget Moana. You know That's I mean? right. You know, it's probably the most educational movie out there ever. So I highly recommend it. But anyways, Rampage is where I, where I heard about Rampage, this is that from the old Nintendo game? That's right, yeah. That's right, you got the wolf. You, you got saw that? The, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was kind I of bored, and I was like, you know, I like him in movies. I hope I you're on a plane or something. No, I was... Uh, so how did you, did you pay money to watch that? No. Okay, good. It was free. Well, I guess with the services, I, you know... It was prepaid... Was it like a Hulu thing or what? Part of my subscriptions. Yeah, it, was, right. it was of the movies I could watch. Must have been pretty good because you've been mentioning it a few times. Well, the reason why I mentioned it is, is the point. I'm glad you're, you're, you're bringing it back because CRISPRs was talked about on there. It's, the, it's this project, I guess, of like genome sequencing. And so I heard about it. I was educated via a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie called Rampage about CRISPRs and this whole idea of editing DNA. Right. 
And uh, so I guess the point is, if anything that you say is incorrect, it's because you've been educated by The Rock. The Rock. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're being educated by Adam now, <laughs> think about think about what's happening here. Ooh. Getting slippery. And if you happen to know The Rock, tell him to reach out. If you know Dwayne Johnson and you'd like to get him on the changelog. That's right. What would we talk about The Rock with if we actually brought him on one of our shows? What could we possibly act like is on topic from him? Commitment. Like, that man is committed. Like yeah. get commits? Like how well, I think committed to a being a he seems to be a pretty awesome human being. Like, there's a lot of people who like him. He's very likable. Um, he's being, very talented, I would say, as somebody who's a on screen personality, which is not very easy. It's easy for some. He has an insane workout schedule, which he is like highly committed to, which is I think commitment is being committed to your career, your physique, your mental stability. He's got he's an awesome family dude. Yeah. I think he's a pretty... Uh, I have no doubt that he's interesting. I, like, I'd hate to see some bad news come out about him because he's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and, and he would... I think he's an idol to a lot in good ways and a model to, to many on, like, just well, being either die a hero. Yeah. Or live long enough to... Turn into Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Please do not put that in our transcripts. Okay. <laughs> he... <laughs> That's time, redacted. Time to wrap up on that one. That's redacted. That was the uh, Well, there's, there's just some things you don't want to be searched for, you know? There goes the dynamite. That's right. <laughs> Give that one up. Transcriptor, don't, don't put that in there. Uh, unintelligible. Unintelligible. Cannot be, fixed. Cannot be fixed. But yeah, The Rock, man. He's pretty educational. Super <laughs> cool dude. Rampage. I learned about CRISPR's genome sequencing. I mean, that's the best when you learn about... Bleeding edge technology via a <laughs> sci-fi comedy called Rampage, featuring Based Dwayne on the Rock Johnson. A video game from the eighties. That's right. From bringing it back to the eighties, I'm it telling all you, goes man. Back. My God, everything goes back to the eighties. Dude, I've seen some people like dressed here today, yesterday. Like it's the eighties. And I'm like, wow, you you came out of my junior high, basically. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean, like that was actually nineties, so. Maybe well, fashions are front, cyclical, you know? They come they in, are. they come back out yeah. eventually. It's so that's, wild, though. I feel so old. That's why I try to keep the same clothes for that. as long as I can. Because eventually, they'll be back. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we should stop. Gosh. Yeah, that's, that's the point where you stop right there. Boom. Goes the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs>